Welcome back to the Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of Scripture and theology. We're working our way right now through the book of Galatians, and we're up to chapter 2, this section where Paul is continuing to deal with his autobiography and kind of tell his story in order to defend his ministry against the Judaizers. Here in this section, we're going to see that he deals with the time when he goes to Jerusalem. And before we jump in, I want to note there is some debate here as to whether this is when he visited Jerusalem in in Acts 11 or Acts 15. I take it as seeming more like what happened when he was there in Acts 15. It's not a major difference. There there are some uh, things that are affected by that, such as the date of the writing. Uh, But nonetheless, and it's also debated on, there's great opinions on, on either side. I happen to see it as, as Acts 15, but either way, uh, it's, it's fine and it works out. And the message of Galatians stands in clarity to be about salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone. Let me pray for us and then I'll read Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the strength that it gives us. We thank you that by hearing your word, your spirit works faith in us. We thank you that all of this is a gift from you, and we ask that you would strengthen us to rest wholly in Christ, that we might not compromise the gospel, but stand strong in it. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Paul writes, Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy on our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles, And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Well, Paul continues this story, this autobiographical section, and he's outlining again what his life was, what he did, what are the events, how did it proceed. He's outlining these things in order to defend himself against the Judaizers, against those who are claiming that he was preaching a man's gospel, that he had gotten it from man, in order to defend himself against those who are claiming that that at one time he's demanding circumcision, at another time he's not, and he's being inconsistent, and, and all of these different things that people who don't appreciate his ministry are accusing him of. And these are common accusations of you know inconsistency and compromising the gospel as somebody understands. All these are common accusations that people deal with. Paul dealt with them very intensely. So he tells us that you know after a while, 14 years of ministry, he eventually does go to Jerusalem and consult with them. 
Now, we look in Acts 15 and we see the Jerusalem Council where Paul went and had this conversation with the apostles to make sure that they were all on the same page with the gospel, to make sure that, that as he says here, he wasn't running or had not run in vain. He wanted to make sure that, yeah, this is the message that has been passed down. This is, as Jude calls it, the faith once for all delivered to the saints. He didn't get it from Jerusalem, but it was confirmed by Jerusalem. And when he went on this this mission back to Jerusalem, this trip back to Jerusalem, he tells us in verse 2, it wasn't because they summoned him. It wasn't for any human reason. It was because he was prompted by the Spirit through revelation, he says. Because of a revelation, he was prompted to head back and have this conversation with them. And when he does, he takes Titus with him. And Titus was a Greek guy, which means he wasn't circumcised. And lo and behold, they didn't require him to be circumcised. In other words, Paul, in not having the Gentiles circumcised, by pointing this out, his, his buddy Titus not being required by the people in Jerusalem, he's pointing out that Jerusalem isn't requiring something I'm not either. See, what he's doing is he's setting his ministry, and at this point, even Jerusalem's ministry, apart from what the Judaizers were demanding. They were demanding the keeping of the law. They were demanding circumcision and, and the, the keeping of days and all of these different things. And Paul wasn't, and that was part of their complaint. And so what he does is he says, hey, by the way, the, the church in Jerusalem, the apostles, the people that, that y'all seem to want to be listening to, they didn't require Titus to be circumcised when we went to visit them. Rather, he says what's going on there is there are, there are false brothers secretly brought in. See, Paul sees these people that are adding good works to Christ, that are adding good works to the law, not just as legalistic Christians or, or Christians. who He sees them as false brothers. They don't actually belong. And, and they've, they've slipped in, he says, to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ so that they might bring us into slavery. In other words, it's not Paul who is the one who is being sneaky about what he's doing. He says, no, it's the Judaizers. It's those who, who are demanding that, that we bow to them and we bow to their understanding of things. They're the ones that are seeking to, to lead people astray. They, they, they've, they've snuck in. They're, they're spies. They're trying to spy out the freedom that we have in Christ in order to enslave us to their views of things, in order to enslave us to, to their plan and the way they want things done. Paul says, we didn't yield, not even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved. Again, we, we see the, the, the intensity with which Paul views this whole situation. This isn't just like, oh, they you know, think X and I think Y. Paul sees this issue as, as very much a gospel issue. One of us is right about the gospel and therefore a Christian. One of us is not. That's why when people accuse uh, others of compromising the gospel, this is why it's such a big deal. If we are compromising the gospel, th then... Everyone that we're influencing, everyone that's believing what we're teaching is being led astray and has been given a false hope and therefore has no hope at all. And Paul's saying we didn't submit to that, not even for a moment. 
have we compromised the gospel. Rather, we have done all that we could, all that we needed to, to preserve the gospel for you. See, Paul's not concerned here with himself. He's concerned with those to whom he is ministering. He wants to make sure that they are getting the gospel in its purest form, that they are getting the gospel of salvation, that justification is rightly being announced to them, that they might stand before the holy God of all creation fully justified. See, when someone compromises the gospel, it's not just themselves that they are putting in danger, but it's everyone who believes what they say. This is why it's such a tragedy when someone compromises the gospel. And this is why when when that is happening and, and we see that happening, rather than just walking away, we need to actually say something. We need to fight for it. We, we need to hold fast to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul goes on in verse 6. And from those who seemed influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. They added nothing to me. He's, again, reminding us that I didn't get my gospel from them. They, they confirmed it. They agreed with it. But I didn't get my gospel from them. I had the gospel. I had been preaching the gospel. This is 14 or 17 years later that I've shown up in Jerusalem for this council, and they are only affirming and adding nothing. Rather, they, he says in verses 7 through 9, they confirmed my calling as a minister of the gospel on par with Peter's calling to the, to the Israelites, with his calling to the Jews, to the circumcised, Paul calls them. They recognized my calling to the Gentiles, the uncircumcised, he calls them here. They recognized that it was Christ who had given me the gospel and sent me to the Gentiles, to people like the Galatians, that I might preach the gospel, that you might find salvation, that you might stand strong in Christ, that you might have the hope of Jesus Christ. That's what those who seemed to be pillars recognized in Paul, that he was, in fact, called to preach the gospel just as Peter was, that his apostolic ministry didn't come from them, but it come from Christ. And so they gave the right hand of fellowship. But they did have one request. It was that he remember the poor. Of course, this isn't a request that's at odds with the gospel. This is a request that all over the place, all over the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all through the Bible, the people of God are called to remember the poor. And so Paul says, yeah, I was already eager to do that. That, that was already part of my ministry. That's not at odds with preaching the gospel. It's part of what I'm, as a minister, wanting to do is I care for people. I want to remember the poor. I want to do, you know, I want to love others as I love myself. I want to reach out to them and care for them and look after them. So that added nothing to me either. Yes, we're supposed to remember the poor. That's not compromising the gospel. We're not attaching that to the gospel. But by the way, that's what I was already doing, Paul says. So here, from, from here on, the, the scene changes and he deals with a section where he, he gets into a little tiff with Peter about the gospel. We'll look at that tomorrow. Today, what we need to remember is that those who were trying to destroy the gospel had made their way into the church. They, they'd snuck in. They, they were trying to spy out for him. They were trying to enslave people to a law once again. And so when Paul visited the, the Jerusalem council, when he visited Jerusalem and dealt with the apostles and met with them, nothing happens there Though these people had snuck in, the apostles affirmed 
the gospel that Paul was preaching. So all of these accusations that he is facing, that he's responding to here, one by one, we're seeing that none of them hold water. None of them are true. Rather, Paul has faithfully been preaching the gospel that his people, that he has been sent to, the Gentiles, that they might be saved. Might we rest in this same gospel? Might we be so bold as Paul to add nothing to it? Amen.